This week on the show, nudist holidays with your family. Ricky makes Steve speechless. Four great bits involving Ricky and Steve. And a listener has alerted us to a recent interview where Steve talks about the XFM days and his Instagram comments. All that and heaps more coming up right now. Welcome back to the Carly Pilk Boys podcast. I'm David Ferrier. With Stephen Merchant. We're two little radio fellas air-checking the old Ricky Gervais XFM shows. Obviously, I've listened to heaps. This is Zach's first time today's show, Series 2, Episode 7, a.k.a. Dinner with Bowie. Zach, your heat-style headline for today's show, please. If this episode was recapped in heat, I think the headline would be EXPOSED! The Ricky Gervais Show, nothing without radio genius, Carl Pilkington. <laughs> I think there are four great Ricky and Steve bits yep. in this episode, and we'll go through them one by one when I they think come I up can, in the air I've been thinking about it since I listened to it, and I think it's not to say Ricky and Steve aren't good together, because they obviously are, but I think there's a key component that they don't realise in these last two episodes. Which is what? Um, early on, they prepared a lot of content. So they had bits, they had segments. Remember they were doing like uh, Ricky's film review and stuff like that. It got to a point where they had to start dropping all of those because Carl's stuff was coming up all the time. Remember there's a few episodes that are just so jam-packed with content. I think they got used to not preparing things because Carl was just coming out with stuff. Then Carl goes away for two weeks. They don't go back to preparing things. They're just like, oh, it'll be fine. Because in this episode, a number of times they go like, we've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> like, they end up talking about nudist beaches for fall breaks. And then like they have people contact them the last two weeks saying like, hey, guys, you're barely doing any content. You keep mm. playing songs instead of talking about things. And so I just think they got used to whether or not they realized that they could just, you know, shoot the shit and it would get them through. Whereas previously when this started, they came prepared with quite a lot of stuff. Carl's doing all the heavy lifting and they were exposed. Did you notice that like Ricky hangs back a lot more in this episode as well? He does. It's really Steve who's trying to keep things going. And it's interesting that he doesn't want to he like there's a few times where I think he feels like that they're getting close to uh, you know, breaking codes or something like that. Yeah. He goes like, Whoa guys, whoa, be yeah, careful. But, which is like usually he's the one pushing it to the edge. And then like someone else, like Carl or Steve, is going like, Oh, come back a little bit. He gets very coy at moments, particularly the nudist beach stuff, which we'll get to later. But when uh, Claire is describing the guy getting in a boner and he's like, oh, I'm not sure if we, we should sort of go this way. It's like if it's, if it's childish innuendo, great. But if it's actually describing a real thing, a real dick, uh, he's like, no, 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 no. Which, which made me reflect on like on everything that Ricky's been a part of. Like, it is completely, all of Ricky's work is completely sexless. That's true. In the invention of lying, yeah. he and the, the love interest don't even kiss. Yeah, interesting. They, is it, is it a rom-com? The last is them holding hands. It's kind of a rom-com. It's got a romantic oh, yeah. storyline to it. Yeah. Do any of these Ghost other shows Town. have, well, kind of like in extras and stuff like that, uh, they're very, you know, they have a, it's an, it's, there's an affection to the relationship, but it's, it's kind of played for humour, the lack of warmness 
He's like very. He's quite cold to his partner. Is it? Wait, are they together? No, no, they're friends. Oh, they're, they're, friends. they're friends. That's why they're so cold. Okay, I, I forgot for a moment. I'm like, hang on, that's actually quite an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> come to think of it, no, oh, but right. in, in, at the end of the office, uh, this Christmas specials are all about him trying to like meet someone. But even then, it's there's no there's no kiss. Like you, no. you've never seen Ricky. Maybe it's a deal he made with Jane, his real life partner. Yeah, maybe no kiss. But then moments like that where he, you see that. I hear that he starts to squirm a little bit because mm. it's not the childish innuendo that he that he enjoys. That um, there, there's there's something sort of quite sexually conservative yeah, about Ricky. Yeah, no, yeah. I've never thought of it. But not like not that it's not that I'm like, come on, Ricky, <laughs> get your shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's childish, because the innuendo. But then there's also jokes about how he like, uh, well, not jokes, references to the fact that he loves to get his dick and balls out in front of his friends. Yeah. You know, when they come to the door and, and Steve's saying, like, there's not a part of your anatomy that I haven't seen. So if it's childish, okay, but if it's serious and adult or anyway, like, um, sincerely, you know, involving anything sexual, no. Yeah. Uh, bit of business. This, uh, this episode was broadcast the 5th of October 2002. The Office Series 2 debuted on the 30th of September. So a week prior, yeah. So uh, so wait, wait. Last year, last week's show was the twenty eighth. I'm pretty sure. Does that make sense? The thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two days after the last episode, series two of The Office debuted. So it happened between these two um, episodes. That's why Zach and I have started a bonus podcast for the Patreon covering The Office series two that will run in conjunction with the XFM show for the next six weeks. It's like a it's like a companion podcast. And if you're thinking, well, you guys just have enough knowledge to comment on radio, what what gives you the authority to comment on TV? Well, we're choosing to. Yeah. That's N- our authority. None. We just want to. Yeah. That's it. Uh, the the it's for a new spin-off podcast, a Patreon only podcast called The Bready Brett Boys. And it's gonna be after the office, it will be about uh, content from the wider RSK universe. So not related to the XFM show. It'll be things that Ricky, Steve and or Kyle have done outside of the radio show. And you know what? I'll just make a quick comment after watching uh, the first episode of season two recently of The Office. It's incredible to see Ricky going full tilt. Don't you think? Because on the podcast, he's like leaning back, not involved, not prepared. But watching something that they've prepared and put effort into and are really trying to perform, I'm like, man, um, oh, yeah, I forgot that they're great. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this was like a once-in-a-lifetime performance. Well, because you're, you watch, you've watched the US office a lot. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I've watched the U.S. Office a fair bit in last year, but I also haven't watched the U.K. Office in years. I haven't watched the U.K. Office since I was thirteen. So I that's also part of it. Is we're sort of reacquainting, uh, making ourselves reacquainted with it um, via the Brady Brett Boys podcast. To access it, you'll need to become a senior producer of the show. It's a new tier on the Patreon. It's only three dollars fifty a month. So it's only a dollar fifty more than the assistant producer level, and you get a whole other podcast. Patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilkboy. Bit, bit froggy says buy it. By supporting the show, 
Uh, it also helps me to pay off this roadcaster, which I just played that fantastic grab from. And it helps Zach justify to his wife and baby why he leaves them each week to go and talk about a 20-year-old radio show. Yeah. So get, get around a tough, it. tough conversation. <laughs> like the baby screaming this morning. And I'm like, yeah, I'm off to talk about a 20-year-old radio show. No Got one's heard covered. of. <laughs> All right. See ya. Emails. I haven't covered these in a while, but there's uh, a couple of really good ones that I want to uh, just highlight. Amber, who's been in touch with us before. She's a listener in Adelaide. Great. Who I'm pretty sure I... Uh, uh, um, You've mentioned. Yeah, or offended or... Okay. I said something mean about her. Did you? Okay. <laughs> uh, Amber, thank you for this email. Last week I said that I would love to know what Steve thinks about the Instagram comments. Yeah. Which are just relentless <laughs> references to the XFM show. She alerted me to this clip yeah. from uh, another podcast, uh, which is sort of like... I, as far as I can tell, the, the, the sort of, not the official, what's the, like the, what's the word I'm looking for when something is the, the standard? It's the one that everyone. The standard? I think that's appropriate. <laughs> it's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the podcast about the office and extras that uh, is the like go-to. Yeah. Okay. It's called Wern and Blog, the Office and Extras podcast. Sure. They spoke to Stephen Merchant just after Outlaws came out. Okay. So while he was on the publicity trail. So she alerted me to this clip, which is on one of the Reddits, uh, where they ask him about the XFM shows and about his uh, comments. So here's the first comment he made. So full credit to the Wern and Blog podcast. This is amazing. I sent them just this gushing fan email after I listened to this. Here's Stephen Merchant talking about the XFM shows 20 years later. You know, I knew that, that particularly with Carl, that we'd sort of found gold dust. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I was aware that it was both sort of ramshackle and, and sort of fun. What I didn't anticipate is that it would have any kind of life beyond, really. I mean, mm. I think... To me, the good, the fun of radio was always that it was quite sort of disposable. You know that it sort of was, it was live and it kind of just came and went. You know, yeah. and even with the podcasts, when we started doing them, if I, to my mind, it was the same thing. Like that, sort of, you did it and it kind of, and it, someone was entertained for half an hour and then it just disappeared like fish and chip wrappers. You know, <laughs> the idea that it would sort of, that we would hang on and people would re-listen to it or or find um, comfort in it, you know, as I sometimes hear people do, you know, yeah. people get quite a lot of messages about people for whom it sort of helped them with depression or mm. mental health or sort of, there's a certain reassurance to hearing us. And through the lockdown last year, particularly, I think. Yeah, well, because it's, it's just yeah like, which is lovely. But again, I don't think you can anticipate that. Answers a lot of the questions we've been asking for like the last year. And also <laughs> is more or less what you, what, I expected, yeah, yeah, but just so good to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. And doesn't he sound different? Don't Do you think? think in himself he sounds? Uh, I guess this is what happens between you know what was he twenty nine and in his forties now. You yeah, do just get a more twenty eight. You yeah. just get more self assured. He just seems yeah. more confident, oh, more sure of himself. Um, um, yeah, it's just um, mm. it's good to hear. Yeah. Less goggle-eyed. And also I found fascinating from a production point of view, he is the clear voice in that clip 
and the hosts sound like they're on Zoom. I know. How does that work? It might have been a choice. It's like, look, either we can sound good or he can sound good, yeah. and they made the right choice. So this is when they ask him about the Instagram comments. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't read a lot of the social media. I mean, I kind of dip into it, you know, because I feel sort of bad not not responding, and I feel guilty that I don't reply to more people. Um, and I see people writing random comments, which I half the time I assume are from the podcast, but I have no memory of them. Um, <laughs> but the, but I don't. I just have to skim past that because otherwise yeah. I, yeah. You know, I haven't got time to. time to look at it's just someone a- quoting monkey news. So um, <laughs> it just seems like it's just like yeah, whatever. Just I, but like get out the way. I'm trying to read yeah. the sensible comments about the outlaws. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't offend me or upset me. I just it's just sort of it feels like it feels like junk mail. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mean that's essentially what it is. Um, yeah. That's funny. Um, it's interesting just from a creative pursuit, hey, how your, I don't think he's going to this extent, but how your successes become your annoyances, you know, like <laughs> your things can become so successful that they kind of, they don't hold you back. Well, they kind of hold you back in a way because he just wants people to engage with these new stuff. Yeah. And he's like, hey, guys, I've been doing stuff for the last 20 years. And oh, people yeah. are yelling things about monkey news. Yeah, I imagine Steve Coogan on the press trial for Philomena and just people shouting, aha, at him. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it can be something that becomes an albatross. Mm. Um, but he seems to have a great sort of attitude towards yeah. it. and and It doesn't of, seem to bother him too much. No. Um, and he did also later talk about, like, that because he w- he is a fan of comedy and mm. growing up there was no way for communities uh, of fans to connect the way there is now. But he used to get the Faulty Towers magazine or whatever and yeah. he said he would just devour it. So he, he also gets it, yeah. which I think is really nice. So Wernham Blog, the Office and Extras podcast, I'm assuming that most people, if you're listening to this, you're well aware. I'm not telling you anything new, but um, I'm just looking at the, in case you haven't heard it, it came out in November of last year, year, the Stephen Merchant special episode. Then right before that, I literally just saw this, the Office 20th anniversary special with Ricky Gervais part one and part two. They're both an hour and a half each. Right, you're going to go they listen got, to that this afternoon. I might stop the podcast now <laughs> so I can go and listen to this. I thought you were going to say, let's just stop our podcast right now because why well, Why would we go on? How could we they compete? Have Ricky? Particularly if we're going to do a spin-off podcast I know, we just announced that we're going to talk about The Office <laughs> with like no no credibility. What a waste of time. If they've spoken to Carl Pilkington, then I will quit. Um, you're scrolling through the back catalogue now. <laughs> Unreal. I, I get Word the impression blog. that, um, you know, Carl's kind of a recluse. Like, you'd have to get recording equipment and, like, head out to the Highlands somewhere, yeah. climb uh, up a mountain to find him. Be like Ray trying to find Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's incredible. Uh, another email, Keith um, got in touch. This is how dedicated fans are of Carl Pilkington. He and his friend came up with an idea of putting Carl in Terminator 2. (laughs) And they took the time to do it. Here is the Pilkinator, a little clip. Listen, we've got to get her out of there. Uh, don't know if I can be bothered. Great. What happens to her? She's 98. There's not much you can do for her. You can, yeah, you can say you're warm, but at the end of the day, she's still going to be shit in her pants. Shit, why did you tell me? We've got to go right now. I'll leave it. You're a fuck you, she's a priority to me! No, we'll forget all that bit. Hey, goddammit, what's your problem? Goddammit! I'm alright, I'm up for it. Help! 
<laughs> Love it. Nice one. If you want to look it up, Carl in Terminator 2 on YouTube. Let's get to the air check. Series 2, episode 7, break 1. Carl's still not there. And someone emailed Claire to tell her she's not funny and ask when's Carl back. Mm. Some nice correspondence. Yeah. You love getting those emails, don't you? Well, we don't really get emails anymore. Emails aren't something that a radio show usually engages with. Text yeah. messages or you just get phone calls or comments in online. Direct messages yep. on social media or comments below posts. Uh, Ricky talked about his phone call with Carl, just sort of explaining that he'd been on holiday and then his dad got sick. Mm. Um, how did you like that? Instead of Carl being there to, to tell funny stories, Ricky retells funny things that Carl told him during a phone call. Yeah, I, that was the point I realised this might be a slim episode. <laughs> like when they're opening with, you know, Ricky recounting someone else's story. Yeah, it's like third-hand Carl-ism. Um, Which really, like if you don't know who Carl is and you're listening, Ricky's just telling a story that his friend told him mm. on the phone. Yeah, um, I like this little impression of Carl. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> when he sees the nudist yeah um, i love also that there there's a bit of an affection to this that they are interested to how carl would they're kind of speculating what his comp uh contribute contribution would be if he was here it's like they're telling stories and they're like what would carl think of it yeah yeah and that's how entertaining he is it's still fun to hear someone retell something that carl told them uh earlier so then in break two, they talk about uh, nudist beaches and Stephen talks about being at a topless beach in France with, uh, with uh, wait, what was it? Of being there with his family and a friend's family mm. and the mother of his friend took uh, her top off. It reminded me, I, I did exchange in France. Yeah. And the mother of the host, fam host family I was with did that exact thing at a beach. Uh, but at least I was like, I was 18, so I was able, you know. It I wasn't feel like as awkward. It's not, uh, there's, there's sort of on the spectrum of awkwardness between 14 and 18, there's a lot. I get different. the impression that in France, that's just a lot more common. Totally. Um, I watched a show once. It was on like SBS in the afternoon, which is the special, special broadcasting special service. Special broadcasting service. Which is like um, a national, kind of a pseudo national broadcaster here. It's like half. Funded by the government, half yeah, funded was, by advertising. It was, but then they brought in advertising. But it's supposed to be sort of the representing yeah. multicultural Australia. There's a lot of like a a lot of world movies. European yeah. um, content and stuff like that. It was a TV show on like a Saturday afternoon where these guys, it starts with them like waking up in a field naked. It's like a kind of like a reality kind of documentary. But the, the game is, or the show, it's like a travel show kind of, but they're nude. And then they go door to door and it's like the people they meet along the way while they get food and clothing. But so they knock on the door like nude and be like, hi, can you help us? We're looking for some like clothes and some food. Is or whatever. it German? It could have been German, but I thought it was French, but everyone was delighted to see them. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone they showed thought it was hilarious and were like, come on in. Yeah, I've got some pants for you. I'm about to head out to work, but you guys make yourself some breakfast. Sit down bare-assed on my <laughs> yes. white sofa. Everyone, like... If Play you, volleyball. Yeah, like, it was like... I was like, what world is this? Like, you'd be arrested in, in Australia if you did that. You Yeah, you really would be... You'd kill someone. Someone and, would die. Yeah, and so um, I, was, I was like, maybe nudity is seen differently in Europe. I don't know. 
Well, there's another show. That's why I asked if it was German. There's another show, and it's also on SBS called Adam and Eve. It's a dating German dating show where uh, one woman and two guys are dropped on an island, and it's sort of like let's see who gets along. And the girl spends time with the guy, one guy, and then with another guy. They're all naked, yeah, the whole time. I think I've seen the American version of that, which is dating naked, which is similarly on like. You know, it's basically like does, the bachelor, like but the everyone's masked, nude. The masked singer. There's another one where it's like, oh, you, uh, you're naked, but you're wearing this elaborate mask. So it's ah, fascinating. You, you sort of judge. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, so yeah, it's the opposite. Or well, maybe I just made up it's a like show. It's like just judging people by their body. Yeah. <laughs> and not their face. So they're I really hot. I do find the reality TV in Europe, it seems to be where all the wild ideas come from. And then they're kind of filtered into like America where they kind of put a bit of a more... PG spin on it. There's a show, there's a British one where it is where people are shown, again, sorry, maybe I'm confusing a few different shows, where people are shown uh, some potential suitors from the neck down, completely naked, and they're invited to um, analyse and critique their naked bodies. And then whoever they choose is given the chance to do that again. It's brutal. Wild. Yeah. Uh, no, never had any experiences with um, nudist beaches, beaches here. There are like in um, a few hours south from where we are in Byron Bay where all the uh, Hollywood elite seem to be hiding out from the pandemic. There are some... Hiding out nude. There are some nudist beaches down there. Are they really? Mm. Well, they're not like government sanctioned. It's just like, I don't know if they, I don't know how these come about. Whether, you know, it seems to be something that people, the council kind of like turns a blind eye to. It's like, yeah, you can stay in this area if you want, but like... Yeah, I know my friend stumbled upon one once and it was kind of a shock to him because he was trying to look for a party. His friends were setting up like a picnic party at the beach and he was like clawing through the bush trying to find it. It was like a beach he had never been to and he came out on this beach and he's like, everyone's naked. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) There's an official, like a proper sanctioned nudist beach in Perth. Oh, okay. Yeah, Swanbourne. And it's just down. There's a family beach with a really nice cafe and then you walk about 100 metres down the beach. There's a big sign that says it's a clothing optional from here on. So uh, you can just, you look down and you can just see here's a question old for you. man balls because they're always old men. Why is going to the beach the main activities that nudists like? Why are there no nudist hikes or nudist parks? Well, there probably is. And they talk about on this show a guy who was doing like a walk the length of Britain, uh, completely naked. But as Carl points out, he's not naked. He's got boots on, a backpack, and a bum bag and a hat. So he's not naked. He's just walking with his knob out. Because um, in a lot of ways, I would think, you know, I don't know much about the nudist lifestyle, but I think the beach was the worst place to be nude. Well, most people are basic, almost nude. It's just, oh, I think right. it's a... right. Okay, know, I'm seeing the connection now, yeah. If you're going nude skiing, there's a lot more <laughs> layers you have to take off. But anyway... Um, I will just note that Zach and I are both nude doing this podcast, but (laughs) that's unrelated. So Ricky also talks about someone he knew who went on a family holiday to a nudist camp, which is (laughs) mental. Like that's child services level. Yeah, definitely. Um, Taking your kids to a place where you all have to be naked around a bunch of other naked strangers. Uh, And then they (laughs) going into the... At the end of the break, they talk about the email they got from Paul, who was asking about the Johnny Cash track. They think he asked for a copy of the album, 
and they do this great, I said there's four bits, this is bit number one, this great Ricky and Steve bit. He says, unfortunately, like an idiot, I didn't listen to it and I, was, I didn't catch the name of the album. Could you, by any chance, send me, uh, the album? He's having a laugh. He's having he? a laugh. <laughs> what, for free? Yeah, so, that's well, not gonna happen. So, uh, actually, email him back, say, Paul- Shall I do it now? Give us, give us eight <laughs> quid. For no reason. I've also, I've also called him some quite offensive names. It's good though, I'll put, uh, from Gervais. Oh dear. He's not gonna yeah, like that. That's pretty grim. Nor's his mother. No. He shouldn't have brought her into it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Fun. They're working together really well there. Yeah. With, um, I love when Steve says, well, I do it now. And you can hear the clacking <laughs> yeah. in the background. Very, very funny. The, it reminds me of, um, when my co-host Dom was new to radio, he was like 18. Or well, maybe a bit old, 19 or 20. And they would get calls from people requesting songs. Have I told you this before? And um, he knew they weren't allowed to change the music, but he also knew that the listener was always right. <laughs> and you should do anything for a listener was his impression. So he'd go, they'd go, oh, can we hear Johnny Cash? And he'd be like, I can't play it on the radio. I can play it down the phone line right now. <laughs> <laughs> so between between talk breaks while the other music was playing. And you're supposed to be getting yeah, ready for the next Yeah, you're supposed to be getting spot. ready. He do <laughs> He'd play on a song, put it down the phone line. He wouldn't listen, so he'd put his microphone down while he went and typed away getting grabs and getting ready for the next break. And then three and a half minutes later when it was over, he'd put his fader up and he'd be like, did you enjoy that? How was that? And they'd be like, uh, yeah, I guess it was good <laughs> hearing the song down so a phone stay. line. Uh, well, I guess sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. They just thought like, oh, no, I don't want to hear it with my with my phone up against my ear down like a crackly phone line. Wow. That's, I've always just go like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. And yeah, I'll see what on. I can do is yeah. always code for no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> moving to break four, uh, Claire's nudist beach story. Uh, she talks about the guy who uh, came up and got an erection chatting to her, which is just very sus. Uh, but what did you, the part I wanted to talk about was the moment at the end when it's revealed that it was sort of a planned bit. So <laughs> during, the, during the break, like Claire said, oh, oh, oh well, I switch ones, right? And this man came over, uh, an old fella, um, and uh, and she started off, I said, he had the biggest knob I've ever seen. <laughs> And then I laughed, and then she went, and then he, then it got no, bigger. No. And I went, you can't tell it then. I was worried about that. But she left out the funny bit and just went, you just went all weird. So they talked about yeah. it well, in the break, but then when it's introduced, Steve is like, oh, so have you been to a nudist speech, Claire? Mm. And it's brought up organically. That's the first time that they've at, at least given away that they plan something like that. Yeah, and I guess that's something quite relatable in radio is yeah, you're talking, particularly with people you don't know super well, which is an instance they have here. They're working with someone new. So you're talking while the songs are playing and you might go, oh, 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 oh stop that. We'll talk about that on the radio. Do you know what? Can you yeah, relate yeah, to that? Yeah, but also how Ricky re reacted to it compared to how he'd react if something was going wrong with Carl. Well, I think that's why he... Um, you know, we'll talk. Maybe that's a factor of why he kind of butts out of it a little bit. And he's like, "No, no, no. This is going. This wasn't what I told you to share. <laughs> like, this, this wasn't the agreement." And like, he's identified what parts of the story you should share. And obviously, mm. she had a different view on She's what parts were interesting. Way. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of so there's a disconnection there, and he's yeah. kind of like, "I'm just going to let this uh, let this car go." And a, a moment of like the complete different dynamic that currently is because he's being 
sort of nice and sort of respectful in his in his own way to Claire that like he isn't with Carl. Um, or uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting to hear that difference to how he how he reacts to. So you think with Carl he would have. He wouldn't have let the story keep going. He would have jumped in and interrupted and well, first maybe of all, I think Carl him. wouldn't have got it wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> he would have <laughs> said exactly the funny part, but he still wouldn't have known it was the funny part. Yeah, right. Mm. Uh, they then move on to um, well, they come, in break seven. They come out of the most played song on the entire show. I think. What's that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, feeder come back around. Okay, that's just they back announce that song a thousand times over the run of the show, and then they get talking about Prince, and that this brings me to great RSK uh, Ricky and Steve bit number two. Those great pop tunes, and he's written so you know I think well, he's brilliant. I, I mean I you know I don't bandy this word around Rick as you know. Go on, but I'd like to use the word genius. I thought you were going to say I'll pay for that. No 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 no, 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 no. genius. <laughs> I missed that when stuff. I was listening through. That was a good burn Just by good Ricky. I'll pay for that. But then it's Ricky is doing what he does great with Carl, but he's just he's he's uh, doing it with Steve this time. He's I just think he's a, reacting to input. I he's, think that's a part of the reason Steve likes having Carl around. It's a distraction from Ricky's <laughs> yeah, tractor beam of like, oh no, don't point it at me. <laughs> His ridicule tractor beam, yeah. And then there's this this bit that uh that Ricky picks up on. The only thing I would say about the concert last night, three hours, he played for three hours, yeah. non-stop, well, yeah. almost three hours, non-stop, didn't take a break, a cracking band, only five minutes. Imagine taking a break, just reading the paper, having yeah. a coffee, <laughs> going, what are you looking at? And also, very I've got 20 minutes, by law. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. So that's uh, Ricky Steve. Bit number three. Um, talking about Prince being a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I didn't going, know that. Going door to door. You didn't know that? No. Oh, um... So here's uh, something from an article that I picked up. Though raised as a Seventh-day Adventist, Prince joined the Jehovah's Witnesses in 2001. When he became a Jehovah's Witness, some were sceptical that an artist with a career as entrenched in candid expressions of sexuality could truly model his lifestyle after such a conservative Christian sect. But naysayers were proved wrong in 2003, so that's after this uh, XFM show. In 2003, when an Eden Prairie, uh, Minneapolis, no, Minnesota, uh, woman reported to, oh no, Minneapolis, um, to the newspaper, local newspaper, that Prince had come knocking at her door as part of the fundamental evangelism of their faith. I was asking, I wonder if he had to do the door knocking. And according to this woman, Prince (laughs) used disguises to uh, deflect, a disguise to deflect attention from himself. That's interesting. I would have thought that he would be cashing in on there because usually might convert a few more. I think a lot of people just go, "Oh no, thank you, not interested." But if it was Prince, you'd be, you might be like, "Yeah, come in, man. Yeah, we can do twenty minutes on the JWs." But uh, if I can do twenty minutes asking you questions about your career, <laughs> I'll do an even trade. How about that? Uh, we then uh, move on to the next great Steve bit, which is. Um, Ricky and Steve riffing, and I love when they break into these little scenes. Mm. Of, we haven't heard it in a long haven't time. haven't heard it for ages. Uh, what Steve's approach would be to try to get into the Prince after party. What, what would have been your uh, your approach to Hello get there, in? Uh, Steve Merchant here, XFM, Ricky Gervais um, Any chance I could come in <laughs> to um, your party? To your party, please? Uh, I'll be honest. Um, uh, can, I, can I call you Hanky? 
Well, if it helped me get in, yeah. Um, it, it, it won't, but thank you anyway. I'll be honest, Lanky, your chances are slim to none, four eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the concert, if that is any- Okay. I'm, I could talk I'm, about it on the radio. I'm I could talk about it on the radio tomorrow. I'm gonna tomorrow. take away that slim. Okay. It's none now, right. freak. Okay. Okay. All right. So go away, yeah? <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Oh. Was it something like that? <laughs> it was not dissimilar, it. <laughs> there was a lot more profanity. He's, um, <laughs> Ricky goes hard, doesn't he? You know, and I think Steve doesn't particularly like it. Like, that time he kind of went along with it more, but usually he's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> We're not going after me. It is the content a lot of uh, a lot of Steve's self-deprecating humor which is that he is bad with women and he's a bit of a creepy weirdo but i think it's different when it's coming from it's always else. different when it's coming from someone else you're like hang on no i'm allowed to say that about me but i love like it's so funny because it's uh, it's it's right on the edge but it's like and and you think oh well if it, it it's it's only you only roast the ones you love it's a symptom of a very close relationship but I really don't have, I don't think I have any relationships, like my closest friends, where uh, where I feel comfortable doing that. And I'm, I wish I did. Yeah. In a way. Well, it's, you know, as long as they're, you know, you, you roast the ones you love, they have to be cool with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they go, oh, no, I'm but not, that's what I'm, I, mean, I like, don't I'll, like that. Because I'm not confident that, because it means that you're so comfortable that they know how you truly feel about them, that they will be okay with you joking at your expense. And I think that's a very difficult thing to pull off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Steve hits back at Ricky about his supposed presence at the David Bowie gig. And then we get to probably the, the crux of this show, the, the, the one of the real memorable takeaway parts is that, Ricky makes Steve completely speechless. No, um, what happened was that the, um, Bowie's, uh, people just said, are you coming to the concert tonight? And I, 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 I said, I, I couldn't, but, but let, me tell you let me tell you something. Wait to, a minute. To get you off this track, right? The next night, we did go to dinner with Bowie at someone's house. Well, wait, right, listen, it was a very, it was a small affair, it was, it was, um, me and Jane, Jonathan, uh, and Jane, it was, um, David, uh, first names. <laughs> Remarkably long silence that's only interrupted by Ricky, you know, Steve still hasn't said anything. I, when I first heard this, didn't know whether it was a bit or not for a few minutes. It's like, did this actually happen or is he just saying this to, like, extend as far as he could you know, if he's upset that he didn't go to a Bowie concert, how far could I, what would be the thing they'd be most upset with? You know, I'd become best friends with Bowie. It took me a while to figure out. I'm like, I think this actually happened. But there, that's, yeah, that's true. And it is true. And not only that, just the, the picture painting of the, I mean, who, was that royalty? Like whose house did they go to? I know. He said there were Lucian Freud paintings on the wall and... Um, Damien Hurst and Richard E. Grant just popped in. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I live next door. And references butlers and servants. I think they... It was Prince Andrew. Did, did they... Was it? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> Who's the worst person? <laughs> um, they... Yeah, I think they reference again, second episode in a row, jokingly, but then you go like, hmm, I wonder if there's an element of truth to this. Steve's... Um, the fact that Steve's not getting the same fame. 
out of the relationship. You know, because I think in this story, uh, Bowie says, I was just watching your tapes. Yes. And um, Steve goes, wait a second. Thinks he's talking about The Office. Yeah, I worked on that too. You didn't do that all by yourself. And then it's kind of like I've been in these situations before and I can I can relate to how Steve must feel in the moment when Ricky goes, no, 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 no. It wasn't for that. It wasn't for the thing you worked on. <laughs> it was the thing I did by myself. <laughs> like yeah. I was listening to um, – but the whole reason Bowie was shown that video in the first place was because, oh, this guy from this very popular sitcom also did this, which relates to you. I was well. working with a guy once and he, um, I was playing back. I was getting clips from my own show. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was just talking. I was talking to him, right? And um, I made, well, I'm just talking. We're both at the computer. I'm talking. While I'm talking to him, he puts headphones in and I didn't know that. And I made a joke. And he starts laughing and I look over at him and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I was laughing at the podcast, <laughs> which I'm positive now that he did to kind of be a dick to a power, me power move. because I'm like, what? The podcast had a joke at the exact same time I, I told a joke. But, you know, the moment where you like you think that you've got something mm. and then they go, no, 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 no. It wasn't your thing. It wasn't actually that. It was my time. thing. <laughs> and Ricky tries to be gracious and go along with it. And it's only later that he goes, no, no, no. Cause what he was actually talking about was um, the razzmatazz thing. But yeah, the, cause this is also, don't forget, this is coming in the wake. We've already had the thing where he didn't take Steve to the Jonathan Ross taping of the performance. I know. And then after that, you heard a little reference that they went to the gig together. They went to the, another performance together. And now this has happened. But also, have they not? He's never mentioned that? How long How, how long ago was the dinner? Yeah. That's, are he and Steve not in contact enough yeah. that he didn't go even the next day? Like you send won't him a believe message? what happened. Man, yeah. last night I had dinner with Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, is he just, does he not want to bring it up? Maybe he is thinking like, oh, I don't want to rub it into Steve. You know, I, Steve would be upset at this. I won't bring it up. And then there's an opportunity on the show to do it for humor. And he's like, ah, I will. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what it is. is. Yeah. But uh, it, it's it's another great example of just this show capturing such a juicy time in their careers. So interesting. I was thinking while I was listening, what would you rather? What's worse? Never getting the success or getting some success, but the person you're doing it with gets way more. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Well, because I think it's, it's, they might not have talked about it all, but you can kind of go, well, because first of all, they wouldn't have expected the show to become what it became. It'd be like, hey, we're just going to make this good show and you're going to be a front. You might get recognized about it more, but I want to create a comedy show and this is the opportunity. Um, but you can think about that, you can intellectualize that. But then you won't ever factor into your considerations that one day you'll, as in Ricky, you'll get invited to have dinner with David Bowie and I'll miss out on that. I wonder if that's why so often now, think of all the famous shows, comedy shows in the last five years, thinking of things like Fleabag and stuff like that, where the creator... Is the main person. I wonder if like people are just like, I'm not being behind the scenes anymore. I am learning from Stephen Merchant's <laughs> yeah. mistake. I am not missing out. Yeah, I wonder dinner if dinner with Boeing. I even think of like, you know, people like Broad City and stuff like that. Like the 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 two people who made it are the two people who are in it. Yes. Like I wonder if they were redoing it now, whether it would be where Steve would be one of the characters. 
Um, well, that's what they did with extras. Yeah. He, they made him one yeah, of the Yeah, that's right. Ones. He's like the agent or something. But also, he? yeah. Uh, but also, we're in the age of the of the creator, of the one yeah. person. I yeah, mean, that's, that's what true. you do. You make your own videos. If, if you were working, if like a YouTuber or someone was like working with someone who, from the very beginning who was off camera, then maybe something mm. like that could happen or would happen again. Uh, but it's it's crazy how it's playing out for Ricky's life in this time because as they talk about like he David Bowie is his hero and he had a he had a he had a band in the early 80s called Shona Dancing and they had a couple of songs and he was a Bowie ripoff like a sound alike as well mm. and before the office actually I don't know if it's for the um if it was for the 11 o'clock show or something else if someone can let me know on the Patreon or CarlyPilkBoysPod at gmail.com. There is a fully produced uh, sketch of uh, that Ricky features in where he's part of a, a board member, part of senior management for a video shop chain, mm. and he's dressed as David Bowie. Mm. He's a, an impersonator, and he keeps pitching these like <laughs> Bowie-centric ideas for the yeah. video shops. So like that's what he was doing. Yeah. And I, now and now he's at dinner with Bowie and Bowie is taking the piss out of him over his band. I was thinking How crazy thinking of that him in that room where he says he kind of goes who who walks in is it the neighbor where he goes like, Grant. where he just goes like he tries to play it cool. What does he say? It's like a very English expression like oh you're out. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like we might be like oh g'day. Yeah, like yeah. you know like um just like a very just casual greeting. I'm not making a big deal out of it. I was thinking all those people he's with have had these long careers. And Ricky, you know, you know, he does kind of go like, you know, because Stephen assumes they're talking about The Office. But he goes, no, 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 no. It was about my, um, what's the other appearance? Uh, Razzmatazz. He doesn't have that much. It's only a couple of years to draw from. Yeah. Imagine kind of being a no name to going to having dinner with David Bowie within a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it also did a little run on the, the 11 o'clock show. And Ricky actually did have his own talk show for right. six episodes called, but, called Meet Ricky Gervais. But it wasn't 10 years prior. No, it was only no, a few no, no. Years it, prior. it all happened sort of one yeah. year after another. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, they, uh, yeah, the idea of David Bowie uh, that Steve points out and makes fun of, the idea that David Bowie, much like a, you know, a, a leader of a country or something, will be given like, okay, here's a tape of, uh, you, you'll be having dinner with Ricky Gervais tonight, here's a tape for you to, so you have some talking they, points. They kind of, he says that as if to take away from the fact that he knew something about him. To me, I think it adds to it that you were a part of the system, yeah. you know, of like, um, and he watched it. He, whether or not, whatever the reason was why he watched it, doesn't matter. He watched it. Because it's also not now where it would just be like, oh, here's uh, you having dinner with Rick, Ricky. Here's a little video on my phone that I'll show you. Oh, real would quick anyone even watch it? He would have had to have put it, it like someone would have to put it in a VHS. <laughs> like here, to sit down and watch it on television. I wonder. Um, just my microphone's cutting out a little bit. Do you reckon it's running out of battery? Oh, is it? I don't know. I'm not. It sounds okay, but I've got different headphones. Is it flashing? No flash. Oh, it's okay. We'll see. We had to put it on charge. It might be this headphone okay. cable. That could be it. Anyway, sorry. Where were we at? Uh, the Bowie dinner. Bowie, Bowie dinner. actually, I think Bowie does become a fan, doesn't he? That's the impression I get when he's on extras. And when they talk about, I get the impression that this relationship blossoms. Yes. That there's they actually also a, kind of become friends. There's a comic relief sketch yeah. where 
uh, Ricky, where David Bowie is in it because he and Ricky are just hanging out in in New York. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, definitely. So they then uh, go to break 10 where they've had an email about TalkOver. Classic radio show problem. A lot of content directors have big issues with TalkOver. Yeah, where well, people are talking over the top of each other, people trying to make their It's point. very annoying, isn't it? It happened a lot in this podcast when we're on Zoom, <laughs> which uh, I carefully tried to edit. Yeah, did you? But yeah, classic radio problem. Yeah, uh, and then they're so far out of ideas that Ricky decides that he'll just start making a little weird grunting squawk noise <laughs> when uh, when he's bored, and he just breaks into it because literally there's nothing to say or talk about. But it's a, not a bad like Hamish and Andy. Andy has the bell. Ricky's got the well. Grunt. It is super annoying at the start, and they do they pull it back really well. So Steve is saying like, "Who who are you doing this for? You're the only person enjoying this." <laughs> but then it becomes a running throughout the episode. He does the squawk at the end when they want to end a break, yes, and go to the song, and it becomes it's a useful. running joke. And it is kind of it, it does pay off in the end. At the start, it is true. You know that person. Ricky seems to do this a lot. Just the person where you're like enough. <laughs> You know, you're on the bus and you're down the yeah, back yeah. and you're like, this was funny at the start, half an it's hour ago. It's all fun and games, but then at some point they cross an invisible line and go to I the get bar. the impression that working with Ricky, making the office goes to that a lot. Yes, definitely. So then they touch on a few things in the next break. They uh, touch on that Ricky's uh, white-collar boxing thing is still in the works. Uh, Ricky's a bad backseat driver. Uh, and they talk about irrational fears, which that's just classic radio fodder. That's like in the top 10 phoners of all time, uh, irrational fears would be in there. Maybe in the top 20. Like Where do you put your ketchup or your tomato, your tomato sauce? sauce? In, in the-, the fridge or in the cupboard. <laughs> Give us a call. What's your favourite pizza topping? Uh, and the guy on the train with the dog that farted, Steve tells that story. <laughs> Just oof, rough. Uh, and then they, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really running out of steam. They literally do a break where it's like, oh, we're running out of things to say, so they just play more music. And uh, Ricky makes this interesting point about hooking to songs. Yeah. But you know, you know, you meant to say, um, uh, like, a, uh, like on Heart or Magic, you're told to say, coming up a classic by so and so, and people stay watching in case it's their favourite. And if it's not, you don't give that away. But it doesn't work when it's things like, I hear things all the time, like, uh, and uh, after this, uh, a classic from Men at Work. <laughs> That'd be down under <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah. Coming up next, a beautiful tune by Danny Wilson. Mary's Pratt. It's Mary's <laughs> yeah. Pratt. <laughs> True. You don't, because you do a show mm. and have not really been an announcer, you don't ever do hooks, do you? Oh, we do content hooks. Yes. So, like, um, coming up, Dom's neighbours are super annoyed at him. Find out why. Yeah. <laughs> or do you have a weird person in your street? I think I found ours. You I Tell me what you I think up next. The strangest person in the world. See if you agree. It is next. so hard. It is a real... See, because here's the thing. When you hear it done poorly... Like, we're kind of doing tropey versions now. It's annoying and uh, tropey. But the people who do it well, that is a sign of a good broadcaster because they do it seamlessly where you don't notice what they're doing and you are hooked. That's the idea. I can't get out of the car. I want to hear what that is. Mm. Uh, And that's the real skill that, like, you don't – it's one of those, like, subtle things. You don't realise it's done well until you hear someone do it really poorly. Mm. Yeah. But that's – I felt – I felt Ricky, I felt slightly attacked because that's what I'm constantly doing. But I'm always trying to find 
a, a different way to do it because he's right. Because if, if it's men at work, then it's pretty obvious what it's going to be. Unless it's who could it be now? Because we also play that. Uh, but it, I, I try to find. <laughs> That's things. what you should say. Yeah. He, we play. We've got two men at work tracks in the system. <laughs> Is it going to be their big one Is or their be a, slightly yeah. less well-known one? <laughs> find out coming up next. Uh, but I then I, I always try to find things like the Chris Isaac song. Somebody's crying. He supposedly. So the story goes. He wrote it. He came up with it when he was at a party, and he'd just been broken up with, and he was feeling upset. So he went into a wardrobe. And was like f- crying, and he started writing the song. So I always go like, "Coming up next, the Chris Isaac song he wrote while crying in a wardrobe at a party." Oh, I wonder what that one is. Yeah. Oh God, what was what song could that possibly be? The other similar related radio trope I laugh at all the time is a coworker used to do it all the time. Like, so you get a little grab from an artist. So you might get Always. a grab from that Chris Isaac interview. And he says, I wrote this one while crying in a wardrobe at, yeah. at a party. But so what you do is he's like, you'd go like, um, oh, Chris Isaac actually has an interesting backstory on this song. And then play the grab. I wrote this while I was in a, yeah, yeah. what I love is when announcers go, Chris Isaac says that he wrote this while crying at a party. And then they go, yeah, oh, yeah, I wrote this while I was crying in order of a party. It's like, you don't say the thing that's in the graph. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's a craft, everyone. Radio is a craft. It is definitely easy to get wrong. Um, so then they finish the show by talk, uh, Ricky talking about his terrible taste in television. He loves music in this era when it was still new, particularly. I don't know if he would watch them as much these days, but he loves Pop Idol and all of the, like, singing competition shows. Well, I guess they're fresh in that there's a... Um, and there's, he's a singer. A, like, he's a, a musician. There's a bit of... Heart. Maybe back then it was a bit more genuine too. Like, these days it's more a flash in the pen. Actually, it's not even a flash in a pen anymore. Not even, yeah. I was thinking how interesting it is. I think they played Nirvana in this um, episode. And I thought, wow, Nirvana was 10 years ago in this world. That wow, So it's yeah. like, whereas like now that would be like playing that's someone. Gangnam Scott style. Yeah, that's Gangnam style. <laughs> that's playing something from 20, 20, uh, 2012. That's Call Me Maybe. Isn't that fascinating? Yes, it is. Yeah. The gap in time when you think about like. Because really the, epi- the, the, the radio show that you do would play a lot of these songs. Hey, So we you're are, still playing the same songs. We are, as, we are the same distance away from 1982 is... From 1982 is the same difference distance from 1942. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Those are 20-year <laughs> periods. No, about 40 years. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm Oh, like, you mean from... Okay, sorry. From, so the, ga- um, the, the time between 82 and 2022, I go, yeah, it's a long time, but it doesn't feel like, you know, a million... It doesn't feel oh, like the whole world okay, has see what you're saying. totally changed. Yep. But from 1942 to 1982, it's like another planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those sort of time differences, wild. Well, we'd be playing, um, we'd be playing Nirvana as a real throwback now, whereas it's pretty recent. Well, yeah, we're playing on the radio station I work for, but imagine a station in the 80s who's like, all right, come on, you still cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Like a station oh. in the 80s playing 40s music, but still trying to be cool and re- re- uh, relevant. That's, that's. Because that's really sort of belt. what is happening. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about how long uh, on the show. They talk about how long Ricky might last in the Big Brother house. 
which then <laughs> plays into extras, the Christmas special of extras, because yeah, his true. character goes into the Big Brother house. And they end with the return. This is the absolute sign. They have nothing to talk about, no ideas. They bring back Song for the Ladies. I know, <laughs> I know. And they try to make it out as if, um, you know, as if, like, it's not scraping the bottom of the barrel because um, Steve introduces as like, oh, we haven't done this in a few weeks. It'll be great to oh, do it. So we exciting. haven't got around to it. The reason we haven't done it the last couple of weeks is because we haven't got around to it, not because it's basically worthless as content. Yes. Uh, and that's the end of the show. So what was your favourite bit? Uh, the bit where they, uh, they, they played out, the little sketch where they played out writing the email to the listener. Where they later apologised because they got they read the email <laughs> wrong. Read it wrong. You just wanted the name. Yeah, that's my favourite bit as well. Next week, Series 2, Episode 8. Carl is back. Yes, finally. It's an all-time great episode. Great. We get the birth of Educating Ricky, a new segment. So Carl comes back from his holiday locked and loaded. Yeah, he's ready. He's got new ideas. Yeah. He's refreshed. <laughs> uh, you don't know how much I'm craving Carl to be back. <laughs> uh, the birth of Educating Ricky. The story of the hairy Chinese kid, which becomes a reference, and Carl's game finally gets its new name, Rockbusters. And does it find the format that it stays with? Not quite. Okay. There's still, I think next week might be the last week before it settles into its traditional format. Great. Contact us, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com or Instagram, carly.pilkboys. In our Instagram bio, you will find the link to our merch. And um, you can follow Zach Manda on Instagram and TikTok, Z-A-C-H-M-A-N-D-E-R. Tell him you're a a listener of the podcast in his comments um, just to prove that you exist. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, make no promises that you're going to enjoy it. (laughs) Uh, If you like seeing a Zach dress as a child roasting... um, Blanking on his name. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Uh, then get around Zach's TikTok and find me, David SL Ferrier. Oh, wait. No, wait. David Ferrier Cartoons. What's your handle? David Ferrier Cartoons on Instagram. I don't really do anything. I, I haven't done anything for a while. But, um, yes, and check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilkboys to get our, um, our, our the first episode of our little office spin-off for the Brady Brett Boys podcast talking about the office no one's done that before <laughs> so enjoy and we'll see you next week bye oh what's going on here <laughs>